Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm gonna be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. And this one right here, guys, this podcast is a special Oscar nomination special. We're gonna be going over every single nomination that happened for this year's 94th Annual Academy Awards. They're finally here. And you might've heard say me say we. And yes, I mean we, because I do have here once again, my good friend, award expert himself, Jay Jason Abdow here to break it all down for you right here, right now. Jason, first off, it's great to see you, my friend. We haven't had you on in a while. So how are you doing? And I can't wait to break this all down for you, my friend. You know, I think it's been since the last, I think we were reacting to the winners of the last awards show of the yeah, wow. Oscars. And, you know, it feels like a while ago, but at the same time, it was really only, well, it was like six, seven months ago. Yeah, like, oh, we're already back at it. At least it, it seems like we're gradually shifting back because the Oscars are still pretty late this year. We do usually get the yeah. nominations in January. Remember, if you, if you can remember pre-pandemic, it might be forever ago. Feels like a long time. But they were, ago. Oh, well, this, what, another thing that'll fix the ratings is if we move the ceremony to early February. Yeah. And then, and then people will like not get as burnt out and then, we got uh, the whatever February eighth, I think, was the year Parasite one. Yeah, super early. Actually, worked out really well. They just narrowly avoided the pandemic. By like the skin <laughs> and teeth, they narrowly avoided it. Yeah. And then what happened? Oh, and then the next year had to be late April, and then the, this year's late March. <laughs> Yeah, but I will say, though, with this year's award season, though, it has felt a lot more like the traditional award season, festivals, precursors that we didn't really have last year, even though there are some things that are definitely different. Obviously, the Golden Globes were a lot different this year, probably didn't have as much significance as they've really ever really had that. But pertaining to the last couple of seasons, they really haven't had that. But it has felt like the traditional pre-pandemic style that we're accustomed to seeing, which has been nice. I, I really have enjoyed the ups and downs that we've traditionally gotten with award season. And it's felt like that this year. Yeah. And we actually, this, this year has been a little weird because we had so many, um, we had so many movies that got pushed back from last year. So there's a little concern going in. Oh, is it going to be overcrowded? Are we going to have a lot of major misses because there's just so much great stuff? Um, and I'm not going to lie. I actually think last year's uh, nominations might have been a little more exciting. I think I like that crop of films a little bit more. Really? But no, no discredit to, you know, they, these are, again, the highest of the high when it comes oh. to film quality. But I was, I was actually a little shocked that we just, it wasn't as competitive as I imagined it. I think we kind of knew going in who was going to be competing for what and what, who was getting nominated where. We might, I mean, obviously there were some shocks, but... I, we'll get I will say, though, to, to push on that back just, just, just a little bit, I will say, though, that when it comes to, I think, the winners and who we think is going to win and when we do our predictions episode, which will be in about a month or so when we get closer to Oscar weekend, I think it's a lot more wide open than last year where I think Nomadland was, I think, ever since it debuted, I believe it was at TIFF when it did in 2020. It was kind of the presumed front runner for picture and director, whereas this year I feel like picture's wide open, maybe director not so much, and we'll obviously get into that when we talk about break down each category but the acting races I think are very wide open this year there's a lot of races that are very unpredictable at this particular moment in time again in the next month the other precursors could situate that out before we get to Oscar night but I do think there's a little bit more of a of a wild card scenario in play here than last year per se I will say well it always feels like that and then it narrows itself down a little bit and we'll see I mean last year we had that crazy lead actress 
race, whereas every every category, and it seems like it might be the same thing again this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into it. Whereas like every single show had a different winner, and it's like, oh man, what is about to happen here? And then of course we can't forget about Best Actor last year. Of course, then that that. Whole oh, and then obviously we just had the crazy upset there, and I, I don't know if we're going to get something like that this year. It, at this point, what well, we've only gotten some critic groups, and we've gotten the Golden Globe, which are now like defunct we don't really even know how relevant those are anymore yeah pretty much so we'll get into every single one of those and so much more but i do want to start off we're talking about just kind of the overall field that we got right now and topping off the total nominations chart was I think a surprise Jason and maybe it wasn't a surprise for you but Power of the Dog with 12 nominations over exceeding in places that we didn't even think that it could potentially get in multiplying certain categories as well Dune also led the way at, at number two with 10 nominations and then coming in at third with seven apiece was Belfast and West Side Story any surprises here Jason Again, we'll break every single category down, but in terms of the total amount of nominations, is this an indicator of the kind of night Netflix could potentially have for Dune, for West Side Story? What what do you think about the total list that we saw right here? It's actually kind of interesting that I felt like a lot of the nominations, it was pretty democratic. Um, A lot of the Best Picture nominees, you'll see three, four nominations for a lot of those movies. And then, you know, Power to Dog, I... I think we were expecting, you know, nine to 10. It was going to be a big performer. I I had personally thought Dune was going to lead. Um, and it got, you know, all but one that I had predicted it to get. So that's a pretty good day. But Power to Dog getting in, um, you know, it, it clearly was beloved. But as we've kind of seen in the last few years, most nominations does not equate most wins. No, absolutely. Or a Best Picture win. Um I don't believe no. I forget who won last year or who was the leader last I was, year. I think No Man Land. Let me look that up. No Man Land was the winner. Was the leader last year? I know Joker was a leader in 2019. They had 11, but only won two with best score yeah, and best and actor. And, you know, they didn't win best picture. Yeah, it was um, actually Mank. Mank was the the nominee. Yes, was, it was nominations. Mank. Yeah, because it got in in all the technical categories yeah. and what it ended up winning and won uh, zero. I think. No, one cinematography. Did it win cinematography? That, oh, wait. I believe, no, one cinematography in one other category that I cannot remember. I think it was production design. Yes. Yes, production design. Yeah, see, I remember things. You do, you do, Jason. That's Sometimes. why we bring you on here, because you couldn't remember that stuff. You know that stuff. Um, yeah, so Power to Dog is uh, – so I don't remember what the last uh, – I mean, I can try to mentally go back. When was the last time the movie with the most nominations ended up winning Best Picture? Um because famously La La Land lost. Yes. Um, I don't know. I think Cape of Water maybe. It might have been, yeah. It might have been. Yeah. The last one to be leading. Yeah. I believe, yeah. It was Shape of Water. It definitely wasn't Green Book. (laughs) No, it definitely wasn't. But again, I I think when we look at, at Power of the Dog, clearly I think out of every, everything else that there is for Netflix, this is, I think they see that this could potentially be the one to finally bring them that coveted best picture award that they've oh so been yearning for for a long, long time. Again, not a guarantee, but if there ever was a shot, this looks like this is the film that could potentially do it for them. No, I mean, you just said it. Last year, Mank led nominations. This year's Power to Dog. And the year before that, technically Joker led, but right behind it was Irishman, only one yeah. less nomination. Netflix knows how to get their movies nominated. 
They do. I think Roma was also, if it wasn't leading in 2018, it was one of the leaders that year. They can get their movies nominated. Oh, no, it's absolutely. just crossing that finish line that's incredibly difficult. And we'll talk about it when we get the best picture. Yeah. But, you know, they should be happy with themselves because they continuously continue are continuing to do this. Where we're getting multiple movies nominated in multiple categories. And, you know, it's almost a given now that they're the studio that comes away with the most nominations when, you know, half a decade ago, I, we remember being like, oh, they got in for one category. That's pretty impressive. It's the way we talk about Apple TV now. Like, oh, they got a movie in Best Picture. That's crazy for them. That's how we talk about Netflix not long ago. And now it's just kind of assumed that they're going to be leading for awards. That's pretty impressive. Were, were there any films that you were surprised got nominated just in general? Were there some that you thought could get in that didn't get in? Does like coming to America count? <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I thought maybe you could um, get in for costume, not 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 for what it not for makeup and hairstyle, but for the costume, I thought it would get. Um, you know, I was shocked. I'm gonna just look at the above the line. I was kind of surprised. Uh, we got a Nightmare Alley. I, I that kind of had a decent day. Um, drive my car had a phenomenal morning. Yeah. Did and and I was surprised. I, I think I said it, but I, I was surprised by how well Power of the Dog ultimately did. Yeah, um, no, I, I can't believe it. So let's get into it right now. Deep dive. We're going to, again, again, drop, go into every single category that is on this list right now. We're going to break it down. We're going to give our our very, very, very early predictions. Again, the award season is a roller coaster. So this is definitely going to be changing in the next couple of weeks when we do our, predict- our predictions. But for right now, we're going to dive into it, give our surprises, our snubs, and we're going to start out with the below the line categories and going into best visual effects. And the nominees in this category were Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider-Man No Way Home, which did get, this is their only sole nomination on this they list. They did it. People were bummed, maybe, that it didn't get the best picture nomination, but if you've been following award season, it's not that surprising, but no surprise that it got a best visual effects nomination here. Kevin Feige must be so mad. He, he definitely, he, it's so, he has everything he could want in the, in Hollywood, except for an Oscar. Basically, I feel like they're going to be and, the and new. And continuously game. shoot it down for him. Um, we could have that discussion of whether or not Spider-Man was worthy of multiple nominations. I felt, I loved it, obviously. Yeah. Had a lot of fun with it. Best if you want to have that discussion of what's worthy of, you know, well, why does it have to be a serious movie to be nominated for Best Picture? Fair enough. I this is where it ended up. This is famously how Hollywood is. Very um, true. And sometimes they snub a lot of Marvel films in this category. If they snubbed the Turtles it, in this category. They did. I remember Infinity War back in 2018. They, they snubbed that movie. Well, well, they snubbed it for the win. The win, yeah, for the win, yeah. I don't, or even Endgame. I don't think that, yeah, Marvel is, believe it or not, they've, they've won a few Oscars. None of them have been for visual effects. Yep. Even the year Black Panther was cleaning up, it didn't even get a nomination for visual effects, which if you see the movie, fair enough, it's not. Even a couple of years out, visual effects are not one of the high points of that. They clearly moved their team over to Infinity War halfway through. Yeah, pretty much. You can see, you can see it, but yeah. But, well, look, but I'm happy. I think there's some good ones here, though. I'm happy that Marvel got there, too. Um, no, die to, no Time to Die. It's kind of surprising because it doesn't feel like, you know, it's a big action movie, but it's not as visually heavy as, let's say, a 
a Godzilla vs. Kong, which I had predicted for a nomination, Same. or a Matrix Resurrections, or um, you know, any of the other movies on this category. Yeah, it, it's more subtle, but you know, they sometimes like to do that. Last year, Mank was nominated, was a little less in terms of visual effects, so the blockbusters got postponed. But you know, they'll nominate like a Mank. They'll nominate the Irishman, or uh, you know, something that's a little more grounded the, the visual effects are so good you don't even know they're there so maybe that's a a testament to the movie too um and free guys fun but it's, it's this is dunes because it's the only movie nominated in serious categories yeah i, I agree with that and, and the visuals were great i mean given how much they shot practically the visuals in that you really don't know where the practical begins and where it ends and where the visuals start to come into play so it just speaks to the volume of that film yeah beautifully beautifully done Top to bottom. Um, totally fine with it winning there. Um, All right. So let's move, now move on to best film editing. And the nominees in this category were Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, The Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom, which scored only – this is one of its two nominations that it scored on Tuesday when the nominations were announced. So, Jason, when you look at this category, again, I think when we're determining best picture – this is a big category to always look at. I remember back in 2020 when Parasite won that one, we looked at that as one of the big building blocks to its eventual win for the best picture. Because when you look at the totality of working on a film, when you select the best picture, the editing has to be taken into account because that's how the pacing of the film is made. That's where the magic of post-production happens. And so for some films that I thought could have gotten into best film editing, I thought West Side Story, which got stumped in this category, that took a major hit. I thought Belfast might have gone in for this one. I did get three out of the out of the five with Dune, Power of the Dog, and King Richard, but some of them were surprised, some of them weren't. To you, were this were any of these surprises in your mind? I had Belfast as my number one, so that because it was ninety minutes, like how do you ignore yeah. that? They they made it short. That's great editing. And uh, I had Licorice Pizza, which I'm still amazed isn't there. I'm shocked Tick, Tick, Boom got there, especially because it got snubbed in multiple other categories. Yeah. Um, and, like, the King Richard nomination is so – not nothing against the movie. It's just, can you tell me what about King Richard's editing was noteworthy at all? Don't yeah. look up. I thought, you know, I enjoyed the movie, the editing. And this is a thing with a lot of the – of McKay's movies now, the editing really takes me out of it. I felt the same way about Vice, yeah. uh, the same editor. Um, whatever, Oscars feel differently. Uh, I thought the editing was obnoxious in that movie, yeah. actively taking away from it. Um, I just want a quick fact check. The Parasite year, Ford v. Ferrari won editing. Uh, okay, that's my mistake. That is my mistake. So, which gets me to my point, because last year was Sound of Metal that won editing. Ford v. Ferrari the year before. Um, 2018, it is not coming to me offhand, but I was not Green Book. Um, editing always felt like it correlated with Best Picture. It just doesn't feel like that anymore. Yeah. It, it feels a little more randomized. I, I don't know what that means, who, what that means, who it's going to go to. Um, I feel like it could be Dune. I think they do appreciate like long movies that are edited to make you want to stay awake and engaged in it the entire time. I feel like they think that's a challenge. Um, so maybe that's why Belfast wasn't nominated. Maybe, maybe. trimming the fat isn't necessarily good editing. I'm not, you know, I'm not a professional editor. I just know what works for me and what doesn't. 
so it's hard to say what uh what I picked. The tick tick boom thing is the biggest shock to me, just because it it was like you chose it there, but then where was the love for the everywhere for the love else? Yeah, because to me, the, the great thing about the editing, especially when you know what Tick, Tick, Boom is, and it really is basically like a one, two-man show, the fact that Lin-Manuel and his team were able to craft a film that was able to interchange between two, three different areas so well and make it seem so seamless and didn't feel distracting, I thought was a, a big benefit to that movie, which is why I'm happy to see it in film editing. But again, like you were saying, if you do it in film editing, how come it you don't show the love and a lot of other categories, but I'm very happy to see that film was able to get in that category because it is very well deserved. And I, I actually, because I rewatched it not that long ago, and I was texting you during it, and I, mm-hmm. I actually remember texting you saying, you know, second time around, it, the editing in this movie is really sticking out to me. So good. It's I, I could talk about that movie all day. And again, for West Side Story, to me, I, I think. Again, that's another one where you're rewarded in so many different categories. But I think, again, the editing for that movie is just so good. I, I wish it was able to get in there. But alas, you can't get everything what you want with these. Again, it, 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 these are our preferences. Sometimes the Oscars, again, choose differently. But that is the category for best film editing. Anything else you want to add in here, Jason, before we move on to, to the next category? Take Tick Boom is my personal winner. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Projections. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I would. But it's not, it's not going to win, but it's my personal winner. Do you think Dune has a shot to win this one? Or do you think this is a potential power of the dog? Eh, I have, I have Dune winning now. I could be very wrong, but we'll see. I mean, again, the, the guilds are coming up, so we'll see where the where the editing guilds get us before the Oscars. But again, I think this is, again, categories that are fluid. And I know a few months ago we were saying, well, A, Dune is going to get nominated for all the technical awards, and it could potentially win all the technical awards at the Oscars. But I think now, again, I think it's anybody's game at this particular moment in time. I don't know. We, when we go through the technical things, you're going to hear we're doing a lot. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, basically. Maybe a, a few surprises, maybe you don't hear it, but I think a lot of a lot of categories, we're going to be hearing that name. All right, moving on to best costume design. The nominees were Cruella, Sierno, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. This is, I believe, the only category that Sierno was nominated in. Again, it, it was in contention for a lot of them from the buzz that we were hearing, but there's a whole big debacle that we could have with with Sierno in that movie and what could have been with it. But again, great to see Cruella in that category. I think the, the designs for that film are incredible. Fashion is a huge major component of the film and its story overall, but nightmare alley, no surprise Dune, no surprise West side story, period pieces. Academy loves that kind of stuff. Maybe not the Victorian era pieces that we know the Academy will eat up other than Sierno but a lot of great period pieces. And I think this is definitely one that could go either way for me, but Jason, where are you leaning towards this? And what do you think about the, the nominees and any snubs or surprises in this category for you? I think West Side Story has a pretty good shot at this. I'm not going to lie. Um, I haven't seen Cyrano because um, they like actively don't want anyone to yeah. see it. Um, you know, there's the one big shock here is that House of Gucci, which is like literally designed, no pun intended, yeah. to get nominated for costumes. It's, the movie is about design. That's the Phantom Thread, I remember, was the same deal. It's a movie about fashion. It won this category for that reason. Gucci was just so in your face. Was, look at all these designer brands. Look at all the d- designer clothes. Look how nice they all look. And everyone was dressed so colorfully and big and larger than life. And they just said, no, nah, 
Like, I don't know. We're not doing it. And Gucci got stumped in a couple of other places we'll talk about. We'll talk about that, yeah. It only got the one nom. Um, Yeah, I think Westside Story has a great job. I think the colors, uh, like, the the costumes, how they're used in that movie, they really do pop. You can distinctly remember those specific outfits. And... Yellow dress, of course. The yellow dress, yes, I... It, I think it really amplified the. Um, it really amplified it. I, I would be happy to see it go there. It could go to Cruella because you know Disney. It's very showy. Could I also thought the costume designs, even though they don't love sci-fi all the time. I thought the costumes in Dune were fantastic. I'd be happy to see that happen. Yeah, I could definitely see it going to Dune, not just because of the of the suits that they wear when they're outside Arachnus, but I know some of the the dresses that Rebecca Ferguson's character wears that was very glamorous and different and cool styles that they were able to utilize. But I think Dune could be the front runner here right now. But I agree with you. I think West Side Story is definitely at that number two position right now. So we'll see where that goes. But again, a lot of great nominations in in this one. But we'll see where it goes come Oscar night. All right, moving on to Best Makeup and Hairstyling. And the nominees were Coming to America, Cruella, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci. So, Jason, your House of Gucci's right there. We got our one. And this is a, a cute story because uh, Frederick Aspiras, maybe I'm saying it right, he is Lady Gaga's personal hairstylist. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And huh. um, he, he had said uh, that when he was, you know, planning with Gaga, obviously, and she was going all out to get into character, you know, driving around Italy, assassinating Italian businessmen just to get into the character, eating nothing but pasta for 10 years, you know, <laughs> however she said she got into that character. He, he, he was there with her, and he made, a, apparently he made a 450-page map of what that character's hairstyling would look like and, you know, was so dedicated to making Gaga transformed into that character. And I guess on set, Ridley Scott was like, I don't get it. I don't know why you're even like, was just paying him no mind. And then he's the only representation of the movie. And I'm kidding. Basically, I mean, I mean, again, I, I still love Ridley funny. Scott. And plus, again, I think I also when you look at just right away, the fact that you can't really recognize Jared Leto, give what you want about the performance, the accent. But when you, I mean, from the first trailer, you, it wasn't Jared Leto. And I think that's a credit to the makeup and the hairstyling, what they were able to do in that category. But again, the eyes of Tammy Faye, I think it is a great nomination. Again, you don't recognize Jessica Chastain, especially later on in that movie whatsoever. And that's, that's intended. You want them to blend into that role, but Cruella, great to see her in there as well in that film. So again, I think this is a really, really solid category. Dune, I guess you could, you could see that coming to America again. I think that's a surprise just because again, for me, Good for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm happy for them, but I would have had them in costume design over makeup and hairstyling. But again, either way, it's great to see them in, in that category. Is there, do you think, again, a front runner in here that you would pick over another one, or is this still one where when we get to our predictions category, you could have a more definitive idea over? It's going to be Cruella or Tammy Faye. If Chastain was more of a lock, I would also say Tammy Faye is in it, but I don't think she is, so kind of up in the fence. I'm up in the air right now. Yeah, again, we'll see what happens. But I believe in 2019, Bombshell won for makeup and hairstyling. And I, and I, I know Charlize was nominated for Best Actress, but she didn't end up winning that in the end. But 
could be kind of the same scenario that we're seeing here where Chastain's nominated for actress, but she might miss out, but the, the makeup and hairstyling gets recognized here. Yeah, that's a very good comparison. All right, so moving on now to Best Cinematography, and the nominees were Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. By the way, shout out to Craig Frazier, who's about to wow us again with the Batman in a couple weeks, just saying. I, 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 yes. I, I, my audiences know I love throwing the Batman wherever I can, so I had to put it in here right now. I'm very you excited. You got our ticket today. We did. We bought our tickets today. We're recording this on Thursday, so we're excited about that. Maybe we see him pop up again next year for the Batman. Who knows? I know I'm getting ahead of myself, and this isn't a Batman episode. This is the Oscars, but Dune, I think, no surprise. Jason, I think this is a given for them. Love every single one of the nominees in this list. I love – even though I I thought Tragedy Macbeth was okay, the cinematography in that, especially with the black and white aspect to it, was stunning the way that they made that film look west side story would be my personal favorite on this list but for you what do you think about this category right here i love that i think they i think i went four for five again nightmare alley popped in when i saw belfast get in there um and i'm very happy with that switch i think nightmare alley looked beautiful dune is incredible is more than likely going to win and i have no problem with that um tragedy Macbeth, uh you know Bruno Del Bonel. Mm-hmm. We'll see how, I don't know how I did that with that. <laughs> he, he, he's shot a lot of the Coen's movies. And, you know, he deserves recognition for this. I think that movie just looks so haunting. Every It's, it's really, people say this all the time about, um, about you know, big awards con- contenders. And I don't think it truly... <sighs> Uh, I don't know if it's truly ever the case, but in this situation, every single frame of Macbeth legitimately is like a shot of the year. Every single yeah. way, every single shot of that movie, even if you're not into it, you know, I don't speak Shakespearean, you know, I understand people who didn't enjoy it, but just looking at that movie for two hours, I was like, I'm, I'm signed up. I can, I can keep doing this all day. Yeah. Um, but Dune is Dune, so I'd be more than happy to see Greg Frazier get that. It was a beautiful-looking movie. Um, and just, you know, epic in scope. Really, the cinematography is what really elevated that to be yeah. the high-quality movie that it is, to be an Oscar contender. So and no shock there if it wins. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, Dune's my front runner, but again, like I said, I would love to see Giannis Kaminsky win this. I thought what he did with West Side Story was just... It was beautiful. And, and again, when we talk about the, the costumes and how they popped, I thought the cinematography really did a good job of highlighting those, those lust colorful moments, but at the same time when it needed to be very uh, tonally different and, and more kind of, of toned down and serious the cinematography was able to really kind of captivate that as well. So I think personally, I would love to see West Side Story win this. I did have Belfast in there. I only was four for five, take out Nightmare Alley. I did have that movie in there, but I guess you can only have one black and white film per category and when it comes to cinematography. So again, it's a shame, but I can understand that. And Dune to me again is the front runner in, in, in this category. All right. Moving on now to Best Production Design, the nominees were 
Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. So once again, Jason, we get the same nominees in this category as we did in Best Cinematography. All these were, I think, tremendous production designs, the way that they were able to utilize the sets. What did you think about this category? Any surprises? Um, you know, big props again to Macbeth because that story has been told a million times. It's so easy to half-ass that one. And I think the way that they decided to go about it, they, they really took their time to make it, you know, almost like a horror movie. And the production design, the sets that they were building around those characters and the way they shot them, I think that really amplified um, the material. Um, I think West Side Story might actually be the front runner here, though. Um, wow. Okay. You know, we got, we got a really good sense of, you know, a you know, a, a throwback to old New York City. And I think the way that they were kind of able to build upon the sets of the original and, you know, create something that's, you know, felt familiar, but also felt new and fresh. Um, you know, I think that's going to resonate with a lot of voters. Um, I very easily could see that winning. I mean, I would, again, love to see any wins that West Side Story picks up. I would be happy to see. You know how much I love that movie. You know how much West Side Story, the movie, means to me. But I think Dune is a front runner here. I just think, again, I know it's science fiction, but the way that Denny and his team and the craftsmanship was able to do in building the world of Arrakis, I think the fact that a lot of it was done practically on these locations, I think, speaks to what Denny wanted to do with this movie and make sure that it felt as immersed as possible. So I think, again, it, it's a one-two where Dune's the, the, the front runner, the number one, but right behind it would be West Side Story. I, need to, I want you to guess, though. I didn't have The Tragedy of Macbeth on my list, and I had Belfast, and there's one other film on here that got snubbed that I put in, oh, but, but it didn't get nominated. Out. What's that? Oh, okay, because I missed one, and I bet it's the same one. Is it uh, French Dispatch? Yes, it was. Well, I didn't even think we'd say the same thing, but yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, look, and we'll talk about this later. I have a, you know, spoiler, no nominations, and I have a little list of movies that got no nominations because I do like to look back at the awards season in retrospect and see what we all thought was going to be right. something. Different. Um. And look, I think that's just a situation of people taking Wes Anderson for granted. He, you know, French Dispatch was so his speed. It was the most Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson movie. And he does so many things so well. Mm -hmm. Every component of that movie is beautiful and worthy of recognition. But we've seen him do it before. Yeah. You know, I mean, he won this category for Grand Budapest Hotel. And I can't tell you that... Uh, French Dispatch wasn't equally as beautiful. It actually had a, you know, had a wider variety of locations. And, but, you know, he, he made a movie that we all knew he could make. And because of that, it didn't have that same wow factor. And people just kind of take that for granted, I guess. Yeah. And, and also, I remember when it came out last year, you and I were talking about this. Do you think that people just moved off from this because of the pandemic? This was supposed to come out in 2020. It did debut at the Cannes Film Festival last year. Do you just think people said, and, and even Wes Anderson kind of did it where he, he was already shooting his new movie at the time this was released. Do you think it's just kind of, this was supposed to come out, it's done, let's move on to the next one, Wes Anderson film, and, and we'll go from there. Do you think that might have been the case and the Academy had that kind of same mindset when they overlooked it for so many nominations that it could have gotten? It's tough to agree with you if Dune and West Side Story are also nominated in this category. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's fair enough point. Um, but and maybe it's because those movies ri- did live up to the expectations that we had for them for so long, and Francis Pass just kind of met them. You know, it was as good as we could expect from Wes Anderson, nothing more, nothing less. Whereas West Side Story and Dune, people were truly blown away by. Right. I, I think that might have something to do with it. And, you know, people, I, like I said, I think people just kind of took Wes Anderson for granted there. And that's why we're not seeing it show up in any categories. All right. Moving on to Best Sound. The nominees are Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. So, again, Jason, it seems like we have three three main suspects right now in the last few categories. Dune, Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. The ones replacing both Nightmare Alley and Tragedy and Macbeth is Belfast this time around and No Time to Die, which I was very happy to see No Time to Die get a, a category other than what we'll talk about in a little bit with Best Original Song. Yeah. But it was great to see it get something here. But I do think that I want to say West Side Story, but I, I think this is another category where, where Dune takes it. Just thinking about it right now, remembering what happened in theaters, I got to go front runner here, Dune, I think. West Side Story being the yeah. number two once again. Look, we, I mean, we, we lucked out. We saw Dune in IMAX. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, it was we, amazing. We, we got spoiled a bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Power to Dog, you know, it's tough. You see it at home. Maybe you don't have, it's the only movie here I didn't get to see in a theater. That in Belfast, it's just you're, it's sometimes the Oscars are just telling you like, no, take we're taking these very seriously. Yeah. What about Power to Dog really did scream best sound over other movies? Nothing really. Um, I would have put Tick Tick Boom in here, honestly. For I would have put Tick Tick Boom in here. Yeah. Why not? Um, and you know Belfast, I guess you know there's like an explosion. There's some. There's a tank in it. Yeah. But, <laughs> not really a spoiler because of the trailer. I yeah. get it. Um, I think it's Dune, West Side Story. Good surprise. I mean, if we were uh, still splitting the category, that would be a pretty easy sound editing, sound mixing split. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I think this is all Dune. Um, yeah. I agree with you there. I think Dune takes, takes the cake in this one. Not sure about this next category, though, because it's not nominated in this one, and that is Best Original yes. Song. And the nominees are Be Alive from King Richard, Dos Agritos from Encanto, down to Joy from Belfast, No Time to Die from No Time to Die, and Somehow You Do from Four Good Days from Diane Warren, who gets her 13th nomination this year. She's Jason, she's basically calling Roger Deakins. What's that? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, aren't we both so glad that Four Good Days got recognized? I know. But when that was, when, when that was on there, I'm like, what movie? What now? I, hold on, I'm looking it up. I because I never heard of them. Like what? What movie is this? I, I don't know this movie. I I don't know it at all. But I so I was confused. Why is this here? Then I saw music and lyrics by Diane Warren. Diane Warren. Uh, why did I not predict this? Because I had predicted um, two movies that I think really got snubbed here. Um, Just look up from Don't Look Up. Yeah. And uh, Guns Will Go Bang from The Heart of Day Fall. Mm-hmm. Kid Cudi and Jay Z. And Ariana Grande, just they not enough pop stars, I guess. 
I guess not. And also, I guess, I guess too many married couples that are, or, or couples, real life couples that'll be at the Oscars that they didn't want. Yeah, they to. couldn't have another one. <laughs> they couldn't. But also, this is the first time that Beyonce does get a nomination. She will be at the Oscars potentially performing this song, and I'm sure the Academy's think- happy about that. I'm sure ABC is very happy about that. Who are telecasting the Oscars once again this year? And she does a great song. But again, to me, I've always said it, and I, I'll say it again. It's on a two-song, two-win streak right now, two-Oscar win streak, and it's James Bond theme songs. Billie Eilish will be singing this song. I cannot wait. And to me, this is the front runner. Give me the streak. Get, keep the streak going. Keep it going with three. I think No Time to Die is the front runner here. But Beyonce, again, it's Beyonce, and you never know what the Academy might want to do in maybe putting her up there for not just to perform, but give it a, a thank you speech as well. So I think it's between those two right now to, to win this award. And Diane will have to wait until potentially number 14 to maybe get back up on that stage. Remember, it's so crazy because No Time to Die, the song came out so long ago. Yeah. It's already won the Grammy for this category, um, beating out pretty much all of the contenders from last year. It won the Golden Globe for, again, what does that matter? I don't know. No. Um, and, you know, Billie Eilish, she's one of the biggest artists. She always sweeps the Grammys. Yep. I, I think she's got a good shot. Um, it's very unfortunate for Disney to have totally missed the opportunity to submit We Don't Talk About Bruno for this category. So it didn't even have the chance to be nominated. That's why we, had, you know, um, yeah, but, well, they, but, but they, nominate, they, they went with the emotional song. Yeah, that, and, and I understand it because at the time you had no idea this was going to be as the, the thing that it was going to be. Look, they saw what happened to Remember Me and they said, look, Remember Me beat out the big uh, showstopper from uh, Greatest Showman. We're going to do that again. We're going to get this. We're going to get Lin-Manuel's Oscar. And, uh, you know, they, they would have won, I think, if they had just pushed that song. Yeah. Sorry, I think Be Alive has a solid chance, um, but Billie Eilish, because I mean, again, I mean, name a pop star bigger than Billie Eilish, there's one other. <laughs> yeah, Beyonce. True. And she's also, at the time when she was chosen to do the song, she is, and I think she obviously still is at this point, the youngest artist to ever do a James Bond song at the age that she was when she did it. So yeah. uh, again, I, and again, the fact that I think she performed at, I believe it was the 2020 award show before the pandemic where she did the she in did. memoriam song so yeah she i forgot what song she did but yeah i don't know but, but i know yeah, it no, was they love the, the memoriam the in memoriam everyone loves her yeah and so i think it's going to be the same thing here can't wait to keep that streak going for james bond and and daniel craig's tenure out rep, be the representative for that film billy i think you are going to be so but again i think when you look at this list the fact that we could get lin-manuel miranda up on that stage to perform beyonce up there billy eilish this is really an a-list of a they're all going to be there yeah they're all going to be there and, it, and it's going to be i think big for them because sometimes you'll have one or two a-listers on that list that perform but when you get three of them like that could have been more but just three of them i think you'll get eyeballs on the the telecast and i think it'll be good for them great performances can't wait for that and great songs i think that were chosen overall absolutely agree but right. Cody should be nominated twice what's that <laughs> Those two Kid Cudi songs should have been nominated, but I agree. That's I, okay. I, listen, I, I had I had both of them on there. That's where I, I went wrong. But again, look, it's it's Diane good. Warren needs to show up to see another artist win over her. Again. Basically, she'll again, win she, one day. She will. I, she, she's a Roger Deakins at this point, where Deakins got nominated for so many things. Then he finally won one. Now he has two awards in his, in his closet. Now just Diane needs to get one. She's the one right now. Where it's just in due it. time, she will get it. 
don't, I mean, they'll keep nominating her until it happens. So it'll it'll eventually happen. One day, one day she will get it. Maybe she just do a she just do a James Bond song. Then she'll get it. At that point, just, just I don't just know why. Like, hey. It seems obvious at this point. I bet she'd actually kind of kill it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she'd be like, hey, listen, Barbara Broccoli, Michael G. Wilson. If you need somebody to write a James Bond song, I could do it for you if you need to. Just go up and ask them. I'm sure they wouldn't mind. All right. Moving on now to Best Original Score. The nominees are Don't Look Up from the one and only Nicholas Bertel, Dune from Hans Zimmer, Encanto from Jermaine Franco, Parallel Mothers from Alberto Iglesias, and The Power of the Dog from Johnny Greenwood. So, Jason, I know you and I are big Succession fans. Great to see Nicholas Bertel on this list. I think the score for Don't Look Up was great. Yes, I think this is third nomination because he, I mean, realistically probably should have won for Beale Street and also beautiful score for uh, Moonlight. Yeah. Look, I'm happy he's here. He's not going to win. I think this is uh, probably Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer and outside shot of Johnny Greenwood, who, you know, Radiohead's my favorite band. So every Johnny Greenwood nomination is a great nomination. He also, crazy, he's a front runner, but he's also snubbed because I really think his score for Spencer should realistically be a front runner here. Yeah. Wasn't nominated. I um, mean, he did Licorice Pizza as well so he had a great year maybe they rallied behind them now that he only has one movie up hey let's give it to him because he had such a body of work but Hans Zimmer is Hans Zimmer and look the Dune score is it is iconic no. can't deny it no. especially again when we watch it on the big screen again just thinking about it now it gets me goosebumps for listening to it on the big screen I mean it was again there was he made you that score was such an immersive part of the theatrical experience that you can't none of these other films can I think top that because when you look at a lot of them power of the dog don't look up the streamers really and Encanto again great score but it's really more the music that makes that movie iconic. So I just think Dune, there's really no other score like what Dune is. So I think Hans Zimmer, again, like you said, is the front runner to, to win this category. Any surprises to you that you thought maybe could have gotten in, but, but didn't get in any snubs maybe that, that you thought Some maybe could have gotten Maybe because um, Alexander Desplat, he will always seem to pop up. But again, same conversation with production design. Yeah. He did a great score for that movie, but and he, again, he won that credit category for Grand Budapest for the last month, Anderson live action. Yeah. But same situation, take it for granted. We know that this is what this plot does. We know this is what Anderson does. I get why they wanted to nominate something more exciting, like a Parallel Mothers, for example. Yeah. Do you think that, because the last time you won, was it for Shape of Water or was it for a film? It after? was for Shape of Water. Shape of Water, yeah. So again, I, I hope to see him back in that category. I think I think he's got some good scores upcoming now. From, from he always does. He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be okay. He'll he'll get he'll get another nomination down the line. All right, All right let's let's breathe through these next three because right. we are ignorant people and ignore this. Yes. So we will though have watched all of these by the time the Oscars are. On, on Oscar weekend, so we'll have a better idea for them. But Sam will the, have watched these by the Oscars. Don't worry. Yes, exactly. By the Oscars, by nominate, by Oscar weekend, when we give our predictions, we will have watched a bunch of these. But best animated short, best live action short, best documentary short subject. Jason, I'll just breeze brief, uh, through the nominations real quick, and then we can talk about it for, for a sec. For best animated short film, the nominees were Affairs of the Art, Bista, Box Ballet, Robin Robin, 
and The Windshield Wiper. Best of live action short film, the nominees were Alakuchi, Take and Run, The Dress, The Long Goodbye, On My Mind, and Please Be Kind. And Best Documentary Short Subject, the nominees were Audible, Lead Me Home, The Queen of Basketball, Three Songs of for Benzar and where we were bull or when we were bullies, excuse me. So Jason, any of those do you have you seen yet or, or those ones that you're just gonna check out when you when you have a chance before? The only Oscar? one I can promise you I'm gonna check out. Um because I'm curious and um it's the only thing kind of worth noting from this because I have nothing to say about any of this. Except mm-hmm. some of these I think uh live action sure I did horrible. And documentary I did I think I went four for five. So perfect. Good for me. Um the Long Goodbye, did you see who is a listed producer and has got his second nomination for this? I did not. Who was who the who, – who are we talking? Oh, that's right. Uh, I'm seeing Riz it right Ahmed. now. Oh, boy. Yep. Riz um, and this is a, a music fact. Riz Ahmed is also a rapper. I'm not sure if you notice he's a musical artist. No, I didn't know that. Actually pretty good. Um, but his debut album – I think it was his debut album. He had an album in 2020 called The Long Goodbye. Okay. I'm assuming there's some kind of correlation here. I don't know because I'm an ignorant person who's done no research. But I just, <laughs> in, as you were reading this, put two and two together. Hey, that was the name of the album he put out. That was actually kind of good. I don't know if it's like some kind of accompaniment. I would assume so. <laughs> I'm going to have to check it out now. Yeah, I mean, listen, we'll have a better idea for you when the Oscars actually happen. So we'll definitely get bring our predictions for these categories. I think one that I'm definitely looking forward to that I heard a little bit about was a documentary short subject or, or short subject, excuse me. It was the queen of basketball. And it's basically about yeah. a, it's about a, a woman who played in the NBA during the late seventies. And she was the first and last woman to do that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to check that one out as someone who's a sports fan loves the NBA. So I'll definitely be checking that one out and, and seeing what it's all about for sure. Yes. Right. Congratulations on James Harden, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, we are recording this a few hours removed from from that whole debacle. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll talk about that off camera. All yes. right. <laughs> Moving on to best documentary feature. The nominees are Ascension, Attica, Flea, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, and Writing with fire. Jason, I think this is a big category first off for for Flea, who we'll talk about in a little bit in, in other categories, but had an outstanding Tuesday morning. And Questlove being an Oscar Dude, nominee. Questlove. What's that? Go Questlove. I, I, yeah. The entire award season, because this category is so flaky. It makes no sense ever. Yeah. I was like, Summer of Soul. It's going to get nominated, obviously. So it's not going to get nominated. <laughs> it's just, like, the whole time I'm like, well, it can't get nominated because it obviously would. And they actually nominated it. Yep. They didn't snub something like they do every year. Every year we're like, well, they're going to snub the front runner. And like clockwork, they do it. This yep. year, they only snubbed the rescue, which I, I mean, that was the only big thing that I, I had seen and had gotten excited for it to get nominated. Didn't get nominated. It's on Disney Plus. Check it out. National Geographic. Yep. Awesome stuff. Um, well, I haven't checked out Flea yet. Summer of Soul. Summer of Soul is obviously one of my uh, – I think it, it would be my personal pick. Um, I'm a little upset the Velvet Underground documentary from Apple TV didn't also get in. But, you know, if we're picking music docs, I think they picked the right one. Um, and I'm very happy for Flea because that's just such a unique uh, nominee for this category. Yeah. 
I mean, I think it's a unique film all the way around. I remember when it was nominated or not nominated, but it premiered at Sundance last year. I remember hearing a lot of people talk about how that could be a very unique Oscar potential film for all the categories you could get nominated in, which again, we'll talk about in a little bit in the other ones that it was nominated in on Tuesday morning. But for Summer of Soul, I agree with you. I think it is the the front runner in this category. And Quest Love, again, somebody who is is a songwriter. He's somebody that's from the music world and was just, again, like we said at the top of this podcast six months ago, was DJing the Oscars and was the last person we saw before we faded to black at last year's telecast after the whole thing with best actor. So he had to be the one to take the show out. So to see him in this, it's, it's great. I'm happy for him and definitely would love to see him go up there this time to accept the Oscar on his behalf and the work he did on that film. So very much, I hope he gets You know what, that's a really good point. They deserve to nominate. You can't, and they, let's be honest, they kind they of put it on him. They, they set him up for failure with that. He did his best. So, you, you know, after you do that, you need to at least nominate him. Exactly. And they did that and he deserves it. And I'm very, very, very happy for him. All right, moving on to best international feature film. The nominees were, or are, Drive My Car from Japan, Flea from Denmark, The Hand of God from Italy, Luana Ayak in the Classroom from Bhutan, and The Worst Person in the World for Norway. So Jason, again, to me, the, no surprises in terms of some of the films that I was hearing a lot about during the, the early run of award season, like Drive My Car was a huge film that burst out, out onto the scene with a lot of the critics' wins that happened earlier in the year and late last year. Flea, again, this is another one where it was a documentary, but it was also animated. It was a, a it was an international film, so it was so multiversal that it deserved to be in this category. The Hand of God from Netflix, The Worst Person in the World. Haven't seen that one yet, but I saw the trailer, looked interesting. Anything to you in this category seem out of place? Do you think Drive My Car has this one locked down because of the other categories that it is nominated in? Or is there another film in here that could maybe potentially surprise this early out? No, it's Drive My Car. But I will say I'm happy for Flea. Happy. Worst Person in the World also got nominated in another category, which is huge for it. Flea obviously got nominated in two other categories. Um, and I don't believe Parallel Mothers was shortlisted, which was kind of weird. Yeah, that was a big um, surprise. So that couldn't have been nominated. The only thing that kind of shocked me is I saw um, A Hero from Amazon. They had been promoting that. Um, I believe that was the director of A Separation that had already won in this category um, about a decade ago. I thought that, you know, that was getting some very good buzz. People responding really positively to that. Um, shocked that didn't make it in at the end because I don't know about this uh this Bhutan, this Bhutanese film, if that's uh, how you say it, yeah. uh, Lunana. Um, but, you know, uh, Paolo Sorrentino, he's guaranteed to get in this category for uh, as well, usually. So, no, no complaints from me, I, but Drive My Car has it. Yeah, I agree. That I think, again, because of how big Drive My Car did this week, or really for the entirety of really award season, when you look at how it, again, it just surprised everybody for how big it got for so for such a small film, I think this definitely has it in the bag for for this one. Right now, again, we could change in, in, in about a month or so, but right now I think we're both in, in lockstep that Drive My Car is the front runner in this category. All right, moving on oh, now to best. Before, before yep. we move on, I just mm-hmm. got to add, 
a uh, movie that we both saw that it, it's almost not surprising it didn't get in, but we got to at least acknowledge um, the Palm d'Or winner that didn't get shortlisted, uh, Titan. Yeah, yep. That I, that didn't happen. I don't – yeah, France did submit it. So It didn't. It just didn't get – Believe it or not, that was a little outside the Academy's wheelhouse. I guess. Not really surprised. Yeah. I, I guess it can really stomach the, the, the certain aspects of that movie, I think, potentially. Most aspects of that movie. Great yeah. movie. Check it, it out. Yeah. But hopefully, I, I think she could maybe get potentially nominated down the road. I mean, she she is a talented actress. I'm not actress, excuse me, director. So between what she did with this one and Raw, so hopefully she gets in down the line. But yeah, yeah, that definitely needed a shout out for sure, for sure. All the respect to Titan, Titan forever, Titan yes. forever. All right, moving on now to best animated feature. The nominees are Encanto, Flea. Luca, The Mitchell versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. And Jason, this is one out of, I believe, two or three categories that I had this season that I went five for five on. Yes, I also went five for five. It was an easy five, I think. Um, Yeah, 100%. It was a very top-heavy year for animation, to say the least. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like, oh, wow, these are five great movies. What, What else... Right. Didn't get in. It's like, uh, Sing 2. <laughs> yeah, man, that's the only one I could even, even think of. Uh, and people like Bell. I think that was G-Kid's movie. Um, yeah. Oh, well. Eh, I didn't see it. Me neither. So I can't say anything. But yeah. G-Kid's always <laughs> seems to slide in. But if we're going to take away the uh, G-Kid nomination for Flea, you know, a foreign yeah. language documentary, that's also going to be an animated movie? Yeah, no, that's right. awesome. I'm sorry. That's really cool that I was able to get those three spots. Yeah. I'm very happy. I don't think it's got a chance of winning it. No. Um, I think that's probably Encanto's. That that can be their consolation for not submitting. We don't talk about Bruno. It's fine. You can win animated features. Yeah. Basically, all the buzz that that film has gotten in the last two months, it's going to go to best animated feature. I, I, I've been telling you, Early on in award season, I thought this was a. I thought Sony or and Netflix went, when it went to Netflix and Lord and Miller, they were going to pull another Spider-Man into the Spider Verse, and I thought there was some true competition between either one of the Disney animated films and Mitchell versus the Machines. But then all the noise with we don't talk about Bruno happened. I'm like, yep, no, that's, that's no. It, it. found it. It felt like it was going to be between Mitchell's and Luke, and then Encanto came up, and oh, it just yeah. kind of split right I, through the middle. Honestly, I I, 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 it, to me, it wasn't even between Luca. I thought it was always going to be – from all the reviews I was hearing, everyone loved Encanto. I just thought it was going to be between those two. And Mitchell's maybe could have overtaken it because of what of, – of the, of the content of it, the fact that the main character is a cinephile. It's about a family. It's emotional. It's fun. It's, it kind of has the same vibes from Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse a little bit. But then again, the buzz just was just too much, I think, for anybody else to match – what Encanto is, is able to do. And also, I think it's a great film, too. It really is. It deserves it overall. But that part I, is I going mean, to push it. Mitchell versus Machines is like top five of the year overall for me. It yeah. made me cry, so it deserves to win. It didn't make me cry, but it definitely hit me in the feels a few times. Definitely hit me in the feels a bunch of times. I really, really enjoy that movie. And anything Lord and Miller does, I'm, I'm all down for. But seeing Ryan the Last Dragon on there, that was a film that I really liked, especially earlier in 2021 when there was really not a whole lot still coming out at that point. I think that was a really good film that Disney put out there. I, only, I saw it in Disney+, Plus, didn't see it in theaters, wish I did, but still a fun film that I'm happy was able to get the recognition that it deserved because it was, I think, another top-notch Disney animated film too. Absolutely. 
All right, moving on now to best adapted screenplay. So now we're getting into the top ones, Jason. We're, we're, we're in the big game now, as Tyrion Lannister would say. We're in the big game now. We're, we're into the top heavy ones, the ones that are going to make or break the night. So we're going to start out with the screenplay categories, and we're going to go into best adapted screenplay first. And the nominees in this category are Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. So, Jason, I'm uh, five for five here. You're five for five in this one? I think I am. Go ahead. No, I think I know where you missed. So, yeah, so I went three, four, five. I had Power of the Dog, Coda, and Dune. Can you guess which two that I had over Drive My Car and The Lost Daughter? One of them is definitely, uh, and it probably broke your heart (laughs) with West Side Story. Yep, yep. Can give you the um, other one? And, oh, the other one was probably passing. Nope. No. Tick, 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 boom. Tick, oh, tick, see, boom. I knew that wasn't happening. I knew we weren't getting blessed with that one. I know. I, 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 I was an optimist. I actually think this is the – I mean, maybe you can pick around it. I think if you're going to pick five for adapted, this is about right to me. Pretty much. I, and I, as much as I love Tick, Tick, Boom, one of my favorites in a year um, – Look, I can't, I can't argue with taking any of these off. Um, maybe Dune, but no. look, I thought that was just – did such a great job with the epic world building. I'm very happy for Maggie Gyllenhaal, for um, The Lost Daughter. Yeah, that was great and, to and, see. And for, for that, Coda is such a sweet movie. No, Drive My Car, I think, was the big one. That to me, because I, I we'll get into it later on. Yeah. I had it in some other categories that were like some of the bigger categories. I didn't have it for this one. I, that one really surprised me when the nominations were read. I think Drive My Car might be a front runner. Really? You think so? I think it could win. I think it might be the number two right now. And I think I could but see myself putting it at the top. See, right now I have, I have Code as my number one. No. Nope. As of right now. Front it, runner. Maybe. I don't know. I think Power to Dog feels on paper like it would be, but Jane Campion's going to go home with at least one other award. Yeah. And I can see them saying, mm, maybe she doesn't need, because she'd already won, um, I don't remember, she had won for screenplay for the piano way yeah. back when. Um, I don't remember if that was original or adapted. She'd already won a screenplay category. I can see them saying, you know what, let's bring in someone else. Let's, yeah. You're already winning for director, likely. Let's give it to someone else, um, like a Maggie Gyllenhaal or a, the guy who wrote <laughs> Drive My Car, whose name I will learn to pronounce by the time it's relevant. By the time, uh, by, by the time Oscar Knight rolls around, you'll have it down. Yes. <laughs> um, I know, I know, yeah. So, look, I think... I think it could realistically happen. Um, Coda, I, not too far behind either. And it's kind of like last year where, again, Chloe Zhao was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay for Nomadland, but in the end she did take home the, the Best Director not win that night. And, again, I think that one was more of a visual film than, than a writing, and Father was obviously more of, a, of, of what it was on the page, really. But, mm-hmm. again, I think we could be looking at that same scenario in that category. All right. Moving on now to Best Original Screenplay, and the nominees in this category are Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and probably the surprise in this category, I think you would agree too, Jason. I would agree. The worst person in the world. I was shocked when I heard that name. I thought it was going to end up being being the Ricardos in there. Glad it wasn't. I 
I haven't seen worse person in the world than fit to see you next week. Um, so I'm happy that they were able to get some love in there. Um, and so, yeah, original and adapted both got some foreign language uh, representation, which is great. Um, yeah. And also, you know, don't look up. No surprise. Adam McKay no. um, seems to be come one of he's starting to become one of these award season staples weird as that might have been a decade ago <laughs> and uh you know getting co-nominated with uh you know bernie sanders former campaign advisor that's pretty that's you know that's a fun random little fact there um yeah, i think cool. ultimately this is between licorice pizza and belfast because we're just talking about two giants of award season who have not gotten their due this is yeah. kenneth branagh has now at eight nominations <laughs> Yeah. Um, amazingly, he's been nominated eight times, zero wins across seven categories. Wow, that's crazy. Um, Damn. Yeah, the only category he's been nominated twice in is director. Yeah, I think for me, again, the fact that being in the Ricardos was snubbed here, Gary, and I think this was at one point kind of one of the guarantees where maybe he could get in for best picture, maybe he could get in for for screenplay, but it got nominated in some other categories that I guess speaks to what they liked about certain performances over the overall film itself. But again, I think don't look up. I think there was many reasons why I think this film resonated with a lot of people within Hollywood. It makes a lot of sense. So that's not surprising that it got a screenplay, a nomination. I do agree with you. I think Licorice Pizza has a shot here. But again, I think if we're talking about diversifying up the awards where not one film is winning all of them, I do think that Belfast is a front runner in this category because I think if they want to give it a win, they can do it in this category. So I, 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 I agree with you where I think Belfast is a front runner here. As of right now, again, could change, but right now to give Belfast the, the front runner status. Paul Thomas Anderson's at eight, uh, not 18, 11. Well, now he's 11. He's at 11 nominations without a win. Yep. It's getting a little glaring now. <laughs> it is. I mean, again, it showcases that they love they love all of his work all the time, but not enough to, to give him a win. <laughs> I would love to see him finally win. It might not be my favorite movie of his, but I still think it was great. And it sadly kind of underperformed, in my opinion. No, it, it did. I mean, again, I, I think it's a great film. I loved it. One of my top films of last year. But uh, well, I think it's number two. But again, mm-hmm. a fun film. Fun, fun yeah. film. All right. Moving on now to the acting categories now, Jason. Are we ready to go? Let's get it. Let's get this it. Is All right. Wild so, one we got coming up. A lot of wild ones here, man. A lot of surprises, a lot of certainties, ones that we knew we're probably going to get in. Some great celebrations that we'll get into in these categories as well. And we're going to start off with what was the first category announced this year in, 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 the, in the ceremony for the nominations. And that, of course, is Best Supporting Actress. And the nominees in this category are Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter. Ariana DeBoe for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Anjanoon Ellis for King Richard. So some big surprises here, Jason. First off, the first name that was read off of this list on the actual nominations. The first nominee this year. Was Jesse Buckley, who, again, we all thought Olivia Coleman was probably going to get a nomination. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But she gets a nomination here. Judy Dench becomes the oldest person to be nominated for this category, and I believe overall at the Academy Awards period. Kirsten Dunst, who is a staple 
in the in the industry. She is a, a voting member at the Academy. She finally gets her first nomination for this film. And it's great to see Anjanoon Ellis here as well. And I think Ariana DeBoe was, if there was anyone, well, probably her and Kirsten Dunst, but they were probably the two that were probably certainties to at least get nominations in this category. Yeah, very happy for Kirsten Dunst to finally get a nomination. Ariana DeBose, DeBose? How do you say that? I think. I say it like that, DeBose. Yeah, Um, I'm beyond excited for Jesse Buckley. And I I think it's, um, you know, everyone got to see her in Judy. I think that's like where most Academy members are probably really exposed to her. And then she had, um, realistically, in my opinion, probably should have been nominated for uh, thinking of ending things last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm happy she's finally getting her due. I thought she was phenomenal in The Lost Daughter. I was actually watching it shocked that she was not more of a talked about performance. So the fact that it actually happened, great. I was yeah. so happy with that. Um, obviously, I think the wrong person from Belfast probably got in. No offense to Dame Judy Den. She's yeah. incredible and, you know, adds a lot of heart to that movie. Um, but if we're talking about uh, performance, and maybe they just thought Maybe some people are voting her for lead, but uh, uh, Katriana Belf, she, yeah. I'm, I had to double check that to make sure I was pronouncing it somewhat right. Um, no, I think she gave a very moving performance. I was thought she was maybe a number two in this category. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be West Side Story's big win of the night, though. Um, you know, Anita wins Oscars. <laughs> Can you just imagine that, though? And uh, again, the fact that. Uh, again, it's not a certainty yet, but I think if there's one at least in these acting categories, I think Ariana DeBoe is a, the clear front runner in her category over all the others. The fact that she would win, I believe it's what, 60, 61 years or so after, yeah, yeah, after Rita Moreno won for the same role is incredible. And, and it's a credit, I think, to what Ariana does where she completely makes – Anita her own. She really, really does. She makes this character for a new generation of people that look to aspire to that character. And she, she kills it. She absolutely kills it. So I agree with you. I think she's a front runner. I would, I'm going to jump up and down if she does win because she deserves it. She's been out on the circuit. I mean, when she got the SNL gig, I knew right away that Disney yeah. 20th century, they are they're campaigning for her. They know where their best paths to victory are. And she's definitely the one that is the clear path out of everything else that it was absolutely nominated for. So we'll see where it goes. But I, again, if she wins the sack, she will become my true front runner. But right now she is definitely in that spot already. And I'm, I'm really excited for her. Katrina Belf, I think that she definitely, I, I thought she would get in. She was one that was stumped for me. But we'll see where it goes. But I'm very happy for Ariana. I'm very happy for Jesse Buckley as well. I think she is, again, another one. I remember the first thing she was ever in was Chernobyl. That was the first thing I ever yes. saw her in. She was awesome in that. And just to see her star ascend from there, and she's only going to get bigger, and she's going to be even better, and more people are going to recognize her in the future. I'm really excited for her and the role that she played in this. Because you can't really do – Olivia, because it's it's the same person really, and I feel like if you're not if you if if Olivia Coleman's a frontrunner to get nominated, it would make sense that Jesse Buckley is in that conversation for supporting actress. They yes, those two performances were very complimentary, and I'm glad I'm glad the Oscars did what they did with that movie. I think it got nominated in the right spots. Yeah, I agree with that absolutely. All right, moving on now to best supporting actor, and the nominees in this category are. 
Sierra Hins for Belfast, Troy Coetzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for the power of the dog, J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee for the power of the dog. Jason, you were texting me this the night before. I think Jesse Plemons is going to get in. I think and I didn't predict it. it. <laughs> What's that? I didn't predict it, but he got in for BAFTA. And I was like, oh, man, people love that guy. I would be so cool if it happened. And he really is like he, part of the heart of that movie. He's, yeah. he's one of them, him and, uh, you know, his wife, you know, shout out to to married couples getting nominated. Yeah. Uh, you know, him and Kristen Dunst were really the, the soul of that movie. And, you know, it did feel weird that people were saying Kristen Dunst is a front runner to win. And then Jesse Plemons, oh, like, you know, he, he's like a number 10 in this category. Right. Like, it feels weird that there's such a big discrepancy. It, supporting actor is a great year. And just look at what wasn't nominated. Um, we had, you know, we thought Bradley Cooper might get in last second. Um, Jared Leto. I won't be complaining about Jared Leto not getting in, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it was a talked about performance. Yeah. I will say, though, if, if there was one that he deserved more of the other, Jared Leto definitely deserved a nomination for this role over what he did in Little Things. I think we can agree on that at least, though. If can you remind me what the little things is? Because I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. All we right. don't need to bring back that pain. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I'm very happy for Jesse Plemons. Um, fun fact about Jesse Plemons. I think he is a, this might be a record. This is the fifth consecutive year that he has been in a movie nominee for Best Picture. Um, wow. Because he was in Power to Dog this year. Right. Last year, it was... Jews and Black Messiah. The year before was um, The Irishman. Wow. Then he was in Vice, and he was in The uh, the Post. That's right. I forget, I forget he was in The Irishman. I forget that he played the, one of those Jimmy Hoffa's sons. I forget yes. about that. And then, you know, he, we missed him in 2016. But if you want to go back another year, he was in Bridge of Spies, too. So yeah. the Academy voters have been, uh, like, obligated to look at this guy's face for so long. Yep. And now he finally has a main role in, yeah. this, in, a, in a movie that's the frontrunner for that picture. And I just think this is a testament to how well Netflix has been campaigning this and just how much the Academy loves this movie. Don't get carried away, though. I remember Roma got the two supporting actress nominations. Mm-hmm. Um. No, it got the two. It got in supporting actress uh, with yeah. uh, Maria de Traveris, and everyone was shocked. No way that's going to happen. No way. And then it happened. I was like, oh, well, it's winning now. And by people, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not going to nominate this person who was like barely in contention. Right. If they're not going to give it best picture, and then that didn't happen. So, again, yeah. Netflix is great with the sneaky nominations. We'll see if this is indicative of it actually pulling forward and at the end of the day. We'll see. I mean, I think this could – I always had Cody Smith-McPhee up as a front runner. However, I do think this changed it. No, no, no. I, I, I changed my mind on this, though. First mm-hmm. off, I'm happy to see J.K. Simmons up here because I thought he gave a great performance in, in being the Ricardos. I think it was, it was underrated, and it was, it, it was one of the bright spots. I, re- I enjoyed it. His scenes in Nicole Kidman. I disagree. He wasn't bad. He was J.K. Simmons. <laughs> yeah, but he would just be J.K. Simmons is, is, is good enough for me sometimes. Like, I just, I, he, he brought great comedic timing, and he also had some really good powerful scenes in there, I think, too, with Nicole Kidman's okay. character. Well, but, we'll let it be. <laughs> okay. But 
with, J- with Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith McPhee, this could be a, a case where one performance way outweighs another one. But I do think that when you look at the way that the film is constructed, Jesse Plemons is definitely the heart of that first half of the film. And then I think Cody Smith McPhee is the set that heart of the second half of the film. And I think they're going to split the vote, which means to me, I think Troy Coetzer is going to become the front runner to win this, this, this. And I think he's going to be the, 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 the face for Coda in terms of winning kind, kind of the, how we think Ariana DeBoe is going to be that for West Side Story. I think the same is going to be the same for, for Troy Coetzer, who also, by the way, is the second person of deaf, of, of deaf and in deaf community to be nominated for an Academy Award right alongside his co-star of Coda and Marley Manley. So I, who, I think that's great. Missed. But What's I, that? I, who unfortunately missed in support. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, there's a lot of parallels between this supporting actor race and last year's supporting actor yep. race. I think Troy Coetzer, I, great, so happy for him to be nominated. Um, even though he technically, I don't believe, was deaf, that nomination reminds me a lot of Paul Racy's nomination last year for Sound of Metal. Mm-hmm. Um, where he was that paternal figure in a deaf community. Yeah, I agree. And then, right, you know, that's a great number two spot to be in behind, in my opinion, is Cody Smith McPhee. I think he brought in Jesse Plemons in a similar way that last year's winner, Daniel Kaluuya, was so much of a front runner. And people really loved that movie so much that he brought in Lakeith Stanfield alongside him. And that really wasn't a conversation of, oh, are they going to split the vote? No, we know who's going to win that. Right. It's just so clear it's going to win that he even brought in his co-star because that's how much people were enjoying his performance and that movie in general. Um, so, yeah, you know, and, and that would be – I'd be happy with that because Cody Smith McPhee, he's young, yet it also kind of felt like he felt – he uh, he kind of fell off for a bit because he was like a big up-and-coming, like yep. young child actor um, thinking about let me in yep. and other movies that are not coming to my head right now, but it's kind of weird. You wouldn't have expected him to be an Oscar front runner at this point. He's only 25. He'd be, um, yeah, I think the youngest, uh, winner in this category since, uh, Timothy Hutton for ordinary people. Wow. That's crazy. They've, That's crazy. you know, um, I'm happy, uh, Kieran Hines got in, um, you know, he was good in Belfast. I'm understand why Jamie Dornan missed a cut here. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's the same thing with with, with the with the wife too. I think they were yeah, just stronger. We want to dominate the old Belfast people. Yeah, I don't know. The grandparents. <laughs> they want the legends in there, Jason. They want they they want the powerhouses in there, not the up and comers. Forget about this them. one. Makes more sense though. Heinz was very much part of that movie. Um, he was. He very and much he's was. been in it for so long. He deserves to. Um, since he sadly was snubbed for Justice League, I'm glad he's finally getting in for this. All right, moving on now to Best Actress. And the nominees are Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kirsten Stewart for Spencer. Jason, when I tell you I was at work watching the awards – uh, when because her her name it was the last one that somehow the academy knew with a lot of these awards how to rank them to keep us all in suspense. I know and, it's alphabetized, but it feels in, intentional. It does, like because when you think about it, 
the ones that were listed, it's like, okay, these are the right ones. And then it came down really to Lady Gaga, Jennifer Hudson, and Kirsten Stewart. And when her name was announced, I got out of my chair and fist pumped all around my office space. Thank God I was the only one around. I just went off. I am so, so happy for this woman. She deserves this nomination so much. The other ones do as well, but the way that she dropped off from being the perennial front runner, really, not just to be nominated, but to win during all of award season and then getting the Golden Globe, but getting snubbed at the SAG and then getting snubbed at the BAFTAs, I think really took a hit for her status in this category. But then to see her get nominated for what was to me the one of the best performances of the year Hands down. The only other one that I can think of is Andrew Garfield's as Jonathan Larson. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But what she did in this role was absolutely phenomenal. And I'm so, so happy to see her get nominated in this category. I think Nicole Kidman was one that she is probably the front runner in this category right now. But I think Kirsten Stewart could potentially be in there as well. I'm very happy for Penelope Cruz. I think that was one that was more of a, of a certainty because of that international wing. I think they wanted to include her. But to me, this is as wide open as it possibly could get. I don't think we're going to have a clear front runner until the actual Oscar winner is read on the Dolby stage. Look, it, this, this is going to be wide open. We're gonna, this is another one. It's going to be the night before the Oscars. We're going to be like, we're going to be doing this Letting podcast. We're going to be, we're going to be talking this one out for a while because yeah. I, it's, it's impossible for there to be a front runner because Chris Stewart isn't nominated for BAFTA or SAG. Yeah. Um, I don't really think any of, are any of these people nominated for BAFTA? I think Nicole Kidman is. Nicole Kidman might be. She won Globe. No, 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 no. I don't think she is. She isn't. No. Because Lady Gaga, I think, think, was the only one. And she got, because I remember that. Lady Gaga got all the precursors up until the Oscar. Yes. So she should be mad. Oh, well. Um, Jessica Chastain, great. Um, I see Olivia Colman winning SAG and then Kristen Stewart winning uh, Critics' Choice. And then us just sitting here having no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, But I was just like you where I'm sitting there. I'm watching. I see Jessica Chastain. Oh, okay. So that probably means Alina Heim isn't going to be here. Yeah. That. Then Olivia Coleman. And then I said, okay, well, if next, if it's uh, Jennifer Hudson, then Kristen Stewart is definitely not happening. And then they said Penelope Cruz. Oh, no way Kristen Stewart's happening now. Yeah. And then they said Nicole Kidman. And I was like, wait. How do they alphabetize Lady Gaga? Do they go from the L or the G? I, probably, I don't know, because if you're going by S. So, I, so it was just the four of them, and then yeah. they sat on that shot for, I think, two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> waiting for the last nominee to be read. And I said, are they going to say Lady Gaga? They're going to say Lady Gaga. And there's no Kristen Stewart. And then they said Kristen Stewart, and it was just – I didn't care about the Lady Gaga loss at that point. I'm no, sorry, Lady either. Gaga. You have your Oscar. It's fine. It's fine. Exactly. Like, it's fine. You know, we all know you can act. You did a lot of it in that movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and again, for me, it's, it's the story about it too. Because what and, – and Robert Pattinson is about to do the same thing too with a lot of people with the Batman. But what she did in kind of shedding that Twilight – aura from her whatnot and then being able to kind of work herself through all these indie films she had a couple of other big films that came out with like charlie's angels and some things here and there but then to do this kind of a movie with this kind of an icon to me it represents what makes acting acting where you don't have to be 
British to play British person. You don't need Amer- American to play an American person. If you think that that person can do what you need them to do and become that person, then let them do it. And Kristen Stewart did exactly that. So I am so, so happy for her. And I, and I hope she's my personal pick now to win the damn thing. But again, oh, we'll see sure. what happens. I think this is one where even if we give our predictions on Friday before the Oscars, we could be changing it by Saturday being like, I don't know if that's the right one. I don't know who it's going to go to. Like it's, it's, it's so up in the air and I love it. It's great. It's always this category that is always up in the air. It's always this one. So I, I, if I could pick anything to win, they, they said, Jason, these are nominees. You were allowed to handpick one winner. This would be it. I would just, no, it has to be Kristen Stewart. There's no, no one else in this category would make me happy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I would, there would be an empty hole inside of my heart. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And you know what? I, I felt a little underwhelmed by the uh, Francis McDormand win after such a competitive year. And I really wanted that Carrie Mulligan win. And then I went to Francis McDormand. Ah, oh, fine. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You got a third one. It's fine. Yeah. You can have another one. It's fine. But it, if, like, if Nicole Kidman, for example, were to win, it's fine. You did a good job. It's exactly. fine. You, you did good, but kid. It's not what Kristen Stewart did. It's not Spencer. You didn't do that. Yeah. Um, and she's been trying to break out into this serious, you know, awards-worthy actress for so long. And, you know, it's been underappreciated for a while because it's all these small indie movies that people aren't seeing. They're not getting well-received. Finally, she worked with a director who's, you know, worthy yeah. of uh, her talent. And, yeah, they came together and made one of the best movies of the year, if not the best movie of the year. Love Spencer. Glad it got in at least one place. I would have loved it to be in picture too, but yeah. But again, I I know. I I know. If it wins, (laughs) what's that? If if it wins for this, all the snubs will be fine. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I would be. Everything else can go completely against me, but if I get that one right, I will be a. I will be a okay. And and again, I hope she wins it. We'll see what happens. We. It is. The category is always crazy, and I think it's the craziest it's been for a long, long time. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But will, will you agree with me, though, that it is at least a three-way race, three-way race, excuse me, between Nicole Kidman, Olivia Coleman, and Kristen Stewart? Those are the three yeah. that we that I, to talk about. Olivia Coleman could very easily just accidentally win a second Oscar again. She <laughs> could. Oh, she very well could. She's, she's becoming like Meryl Streep now, like, Oh, every year she's just going to have her performance. It's going to yeah. be top tier for a nomination. I think I think someone referenced it on Twitter as if Olivia Coleman was a sports team or like in sports, she'd be on one of the greatest dynasty runs of all time. Because I mean, and when you think about it in that way, she is from the favorite to last year with the father to now another nomination in consecutive years. That's impressive. Look, of uh Middle-aged British actresses. She's the Tom Brady. <laughs> she is right now. She's the GOAT you know? right now at this point. She is. And, and coming off of the crown, I mean, she, 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 she's living the Vita Loca at this point right now. She, she is, yes. <laughs> All right. Moving on now to Best Actor. The nominees are 
Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch for the power of the dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith for King Richard, and Denzel Washington for the tragedy of Macbeth. And Jason, unlike Best Actress, where there was a lot of high-stakes drama, it could have gone either way, this was... I think uh, a pretty much a shoe in for the most part. You could have maybe had someone else in that five spot, but I had all five of these. I went five for five. I don't know how you did, but it seemed like these were going to be the five guys that we were going to get in this category. I went five for five and I couldn't be more upset about it. <laughs> really? I, 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 you, wanted, okay. you wanted a surprise. I look the hot. So yeah, Will Smith is going to win. That's fine. Andrew Garfield. Let's, let's, he was let's, let's hold a button there until SAG happens, my friend. Okay. Let's hold it a little bit there. Look, if Andrew Garfield happens, he happens. It's great. But I'll King cry. Richard seems to be kind of on a sweep right now. I know. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch, no shock. Phenomenal performance. Very uncharacteristic of him, honestly. I think he put his charm to very good use. He put his, you know, more menacing features to good use. I think he he's the anchor of that movie and it really brought out the best of him. Um, Denzel, Shakespeare, can't deny it, you know, very powerful stuff, yeah. um, you know, and very unique for him. <sighs> I fear Bardem, man, like, man, I like them in the movie. It, it, again, it's the same thing where they like uh, him, Nicole and, and him compliment you. You can't have one without the other. I feel like. No, you can. You can easily. Look, Nicole Kidman, if she was the only one nominated for that movie, I'd be so fine. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, Javier Bardem was good. He did a good job, but he, I was rooting for Nick Cage. That was him. never going to happen. That it was, was never going to happen. happen but sorry. you know what? It could have. Uh-huh. And if you were going to go like, I mean, again, I haven't seen it because they don't want me to. Yeah. But if Peter Dinklage got in that. So awesome. I think if they had actually let people see that movie, Peter Dinklage would have gone in there. Yeah. Um. I mean, all the stuff I was hearing beforehand sounded like he was great. Like, it's, it sounded like the movie's great. That, you know, he, he's been overlooked for this category before. And yeah. I think it would have been great to have that representation, that kind of diversity would have been very unique for, this, uh, for the awards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's long overdue. He's one of the most talented people working right now. Um, you know, he... You know, he's been nominated a ton of other times. I'd even say, like, Bradley Cooper and Licorice, uh, not Licorice Pizza. Nightmare. Um, Nightmare Alley. I think that would have probably been more exciting than this. Yeah. Um, I had mixed feelings about the movie, but Simon Rex and uh, Red Rocket, that would have been refreshing. There are a lot of cool things that could have been done in this category. Leonardo DiCaprio for Don't Look Up, I had a problem with the movie, but, man, was that, like, a different you know, they, they, it was a different role for him. Javier Bardem. He was just a charming old timey guy. He was he didn't look like Desi Arnaz. He didn't particularly feel like Desi Arnaz. He he didn't It was a sexier version of Desi Arnaz, it felt like. It was like if Aaron Sorkin could choose a sexy version of Desi, it would be Javier Bardem. He look and you know, there's obviously a bit of controversy about this. Look, he's not even Cuban playing Desi Arnaz. Yeah. And you know, people had issue with that. Um, and I understand that. I yeah, whatever. I don't think that should have been the basis for this not nominating him. I think the basis for not nominating him should have been why? Yeah. What about him in particular was so much better than all those other actors I just listed? I think, um, yeah, I think they missed several opportunities here. And I really wish they had done something a little more creative and thought a little further outside the box. Because, um, you know, 
a few of those performances, I was just, you know, Bradley Cooper, Leonardo DiCaprio. I wasn't necessarily rooting for them, but if I knew that fist spot was just going to go to Javier Bardem, no, then, yeah, I would have rooted for them twice as hard. Cooper Hoffman, even, and Licorice yeah. Pizza. Um, you know, I don't think that movie works without the two leads. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Whereas I think you could easily swap out Javier Bardem for another actor, one who might look a little more like Desi Arnaz and might actually be Cuban. And that actually, you know, that movie doesn't change to me. Yeah. I, go, I will say one of the bright spots, though, is that we got this little bit, uh, little bit of history is that I believe it's along with, with Kristen Stewart and Jesse Plemons that Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz are the first ever married couple to be nominated in the same year. So I, we got that. That's going to be pretty That's cool to see. Good for them. They're, yeah. they're, you, know, you know, they have everything going for them. They're two of the most beautiful people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, that is you know? very, very true. Can you imagine? And they, but they both be- already have Oscars, too. True. Um, but can, can, I can imagine being in that household being like, oh, you get nominated and you get nominated for Academy Award. We're going to celebrate today. Like, that must be pretty cool to be in that household. I, I would love to be, Marcel. I, I, If they want to adopt me, I will take back everything I just said about Javier Bardem. He <laughs> does, he, him and Penelope Cruz also do seem like wonderful people. And if they want to adopt me, I'll let it happen. <laughs> I think I'm getting a call from him, though. I'll, 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 I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. Let him let him know that, um, you know, I'm, I'm free. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on now to the final, final two categories of the 94th Annual Academy Awards. And we're going to go now to Best Director. And the nominees in this category are Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Risku Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. One thing I want to note, though, Jason, before we get into this, I've always wanted to say Jane Champion. I, I, I've always had to revert from my mind right. to say Campion. For some reason, I always thought it was Champion. She's a champ. There is a, there's a, there's a hidden H there. Somewhere. For sure. It's not there, but you're, you're right. I, it took me a while to train my brain into it. And I probably called her champion earlier in this podcast. What do you think of this category? It's a nice lineup. I wish that, um, I wish there could be six spots because there's, I can't, I don't know who I take out, but yeah. I don't know. I did, nominate, I, I did have, I don't Rana know over... how you nominate Dune for yeah. all those technical categories. And then just, okay, well, I guess that all was just directed itself. Yeah, I guess, I guess Greg Frazier did it all, or Timothy and Rebecca and Oscar. They, they all did it by themselves, even though they're but not nominated, was, but still. That was an impressive directorial feat. These all were. Yeah. Um, and I love Paul Thomas Anderson. And that I to me was the, the, the Academy just loves him. And I love Kenneth Branagh. I don't know this Hama, the Hamaguchi. I have yet to see Drive My yeah. Car. I'm very happy he got in, though. I did have him. I had him in my spot. I, I thought it might happen, too. Yeah. Man, I think Denise should be winning this category. So to see him not even really? Do you Because I've been, I've been hearing this a little bit. Do you think when part two comes out, they'll kind of make it as, well, he directed all both, both parts, and as a two-hour, four-hour, whatever you want to say, four-hour total film, he deserves to win Best Director. Do you think it could be if June part two is – on the level of this first part or even better, could they say, well, he deserves a nomination. He could maybe even win it if it, when it, when it comes out in 2023, 2024. It could happen. It could certainly happen. Um, I, I do imagine they are kind of voters that are kind of holding their breath because well, to be honest, Dune, as much as I love it, half a movie, it's hard to give a best picture. Yeah. 
because it could all come crumbling apart in the next part. It really does work along. It's going to be weird, assuming part two is as great as we think it's going to be. It's going to be weird in hindsight being like, wow, we really got that hype for half a movie? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, Especially if the drop-off's that big. But that has nothing to do with the directing, in my opinion. No. Um, you know, I think actually that's the fact that you made half a movie is entertaining and is complete to the point where it's nominated for 10 Oscars. Yeah. That, that, that's the thing where it how gets do you, like, How do you direct the move, half a movie, half yeah. of a story, have it get that beloved, nominated yeah. for Best Picture in every single tech category, yeah. and then just be including screenplay? So at least we got in a couple of categories. But, man, that's really weird to have a miss here. Because it, it, it's more weird because it just felt like such a sure thing. He's my number two. Yeah. Um, Actually, no, he's my number three. But now he's my number zero because he's here. But I do think Jane Campion is the front runner here, no matter what. I mean, she she's is. been winning everything. Like Chloe Zhao last year, she's been winning every single precursor and 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 critics win from the beginning of award season. She's but, got it. There's no one else can win this in my uh, maybe per- no. My my personal no. favorite would be Steven. I know. I want well, what he did with this with West Side Story. He made it a modern-day masterpiece. I've said it. I think West Side Story is a modern-day masterpiece. And the fact that he was able to elevate it over the 61 movie and make it better, more profound, more poignant, and deliver on a directorial status where that passion that Steven Spielberg has, you could see that in, in the love that he has for this musical, in the way that he was able to craft everything, it doesn't work without his leadership. So he would be my number two, my, my personal favorite to win. But again, Jane Campion, what she did with Power of the Dog, it's very much a directorial film and the fact that it's, it starts out at such a slow pace and it's a slow pace movie, but you're able to still resonate with it. And, and it, the way she's able to guide you throughout the film, you're still in it from beginning to end. So I think she, she has the win right now, at least. I'm very happy. She's the first woman ever nominated for best director twice. Yeah. Um, I think she's the eighth, eighth overall woman to be nominated for Best Director since there were two last year. The, the statistic I recently read was um, the amount of women nominated between the first and the 89th Academy Awards is equal to the amount of women nominated for Best Director between the 90th and 94th. Damn, that's um, crazy. That's pretty gross because they literally had no nominees a couple of years ago, yeah. I remember. Um, I think 2017. Um, yeah, even, I think that's when they Yeah, the, the, no, 2019, I believe there was no women yeah, nominated. Yeah, because that was Greta Gerwig. That, that, yeah, that was 2020, was like 2019 going into 2020 when a lot of people wanted yeah. Greta Gerwig again for Little Women. No, it's know. awful. It's awful. And, you know, again, we only have one uh, woman nominated again um, when there were plenty in contention. Yeah. I'm glad she's here, and I'm glad she's going to win it because then not only is she going to be the first woman She's she now the first woman to win, to be nominated twice, but this is going to be the first time we have women winning Best Director back-to-back. She wins, because we had Chloe Zhao last year. Yeah. Um, go women in Hollywood. Did yeah. Direct more, I, Hollywood should, you know, mm-hmm. take note. This is uh, this has changed, finally. We're slowly but surely getting there. It uh, definitely isn't 50-50. No. Um, but I, I but, will say though, I think when you look at this year's crop before we move on to the last category, I think this, this is a great diversified group 
overall. I don't know how the numbers compare to last year, but just looking at the group and just seeing the names, it feels very much like, again, it's, it's baby steps. It's baby it's steps. Baby. And I feel like this, this is the next baby step. Besides obviously the huge glaring oversight with uh, female directors, yeah. this category has been very diverse in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, this look at, I mean, racially, the last two director winners were both Asian. Um, before that, we had Alfonso Cuaron. Um, it's Hispanic. And then, you know, we, I mean, we, we don't have a lot of white American guys just winning this anymore. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's really Jamie just Gazelle. Yeah. It's, it's the fee. It's the women aspect that needs to get well, there's a million aspects that need to change in Hollywood, but no, it's nice to see representation happening, especially when you can point at and be like, yeah, no, this isn't like a diversity pick. Like Jane Campion could have been, uh, you know, Tom Smith, some generic white guy. And yep. if he did the same work, it would have been nominated the same way. Exactly. That kind of movie. Yep. Um, so very proud of her, uh, for this nomination. Uh, uh, yeah, she's got this one in the bag, I think. All right. Moving on now to Best Picture, the final category of the night, the big kahuna, the one that is going to be etched in history in the Academy Museum and to the rest of us Academy lovers forever. Here we go. The Best Picture nominees are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, the Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. So, Jason, I only got one of these wrong. I had B and the Ricardos in there, but Nightmare Alley took that spot. So, I, got, I was 9 for 10. I feel good about myself in that 10. category. So, I'm jealous. <laughs> What's that? I was uh, 8 for 10. So, What'd you, what else hey. did you have? Tick, tick, boom? Tick, tick, boom. And um, yeah. let me look, let me look, let me look. Being the Ricardos. Okay. And again, just, um, just to say, just to say real quick, this is the first time that it is a full 10 pictures now. They're going back to what yeah. they did in 2011, 2010, where it is the full 10. It's not this where if you get a certain percentage, it can be between five to 10 and it's usually eight or nine pictures. It is a full 10, no, nothing else, no matter what. I like this. I like 10. I, I think 10 is perfect. Same. Um, if you're not doing five, you're doing 10. That's mm-hmm. just how it should be. I hated constantly getting my, you know, a few little notes taken off because I yeah. predicted eight nominees and there was nine or I predicted yeah. nine and there were eight. Just give me the sliding scale was stupid. Give me the full 10. That's what we're going to do. Like we know this is how it's going to be. Um, and you know, I don't know who's going to win. Probably power to dog could be Belfast. Could be another one. Um, we'll talk about that later. I just want to talk, like, really recognize the the movies that were nominated. Yeah, um, I'm shocked Nightmare Alley got into that. Um, I assume that ten spot probably. That I, didn't I seem to be, yeah, um, that didn't seem to be like a likely thing, and then it just kind of came out of nowhere. That is pretty cool. Um, you know, Del Toro, his last movie won this category, yeah. so. I think it shows it's the power not, that how much the Academy loves his movies that they yeah were in. I, I mean, I really do think this is a. Uh, you know, a residual love kind of deal. Yeah. Um, and drive and my car. Too. Yeah. Drive my car. Haven't seen it. Um, but just a three hour long foreign language film seemed to be coming out of nowhere. Um, it was the front runner for the palms of or didn't end up getting winning that everyone thought it kind of was going to fall off. And then once the word season came out, started coming around, 
and it won LA Film Critics Association, it won New York Film Critics Association, and then it won the National uh, Critics Association. It, and everyone's just kind of, wow, I can't believe they're just not giving us insight into what's going to win Best Picture. And they're yeah. just wasting their wins here. And it's like, clearly they're not, because it kind of shows these critic groups, as much as, you know, critics aren't Oscar voters, they certainly do influence of them. Yeah, they do. Um, obviously, they did it with Don't Look Up, because now we uh, we do have a raw movie in, uh, <laughs> in the lineup. Uh, but whatever, it's divisive. I get it. I'm... It, you know what? Honestly, I'd rather I'd rather have a uh, a divisive movie that people are split on, nominated than a uh, really generic uh, crowd pleaser. Yeah, but to me, it's not surprising. Though, I like the discussion. That, I'd rather a don't look up than yeah. being Ricardo. But to me, I know knowing what the, what it's trying to tell you that movie and what a lot of people in Hollywood always kind of support and what their activism is about. It's not surprising to me that the gravity towards that film. I always had it in like in the bottom half of the nomination list, but it wasn't surprising when it got the nominations that it did. Yeah, totally agree. Um, look, happy Belfast wasn't shocking. Very happy. Apple TV was able to get Coda in. Um, a little engine. that could. They, This is their first real success. And it's such a heartwarming movie. You know, Dune talked about it at nauseum. No shot there. King Richard. I think that's just kind of showing, um, that's that's an actual crowd pleaser that I think yeah. lives up to um, lives up to the hype. I think mm-hmm. that's a movie that people will really get behind. And um, look, Will Smith also getting nominated as a producer there. Um, yeah, I think that that King Richard spot is very important for him. Um, Licorice Pizza shows the love for Paul Thomas Anderson. Power to Dog and West Side Story. What more is there to say about those? <laughs> Come Maybe Disney can win an Oscar finally. They've okay, yet to win the uh, Best Picture spot in all their years. What do you think they're gonna do when they, whether it's this year or like years down the line? Like, what other goals can they say to themselves? Let's win another one. I guess that's all you can really say. Like, I feel like they're so hell bent on this. I don't know. I, man, it's gonna be weird. I don't know. I they've just done such a poor job with this movie. Is everything but the award season campaign? And realistically, we thought this was this had a chance of leading nominations. We thought this was going to get ten nominations. It didn't. Yeah, I mean, at least it could have tied with with Dune because we because we knew that Dune was going to hit all technically. It was always just above the line. Like, is it going to get any acting nominations or director? Like, it would have at least had eleven if Denny got nominated. So. Yeah, but West Side, was it going to get actresses? Is it going to get two supporting actresses? Yeah. Is it going to get uh, is it going to get screenplays? Is it going to get an uh, editing? I think it missed. Yeah, it had it, it had some pretty big misses to, on uh, on nomination yeah. morning, but there's no doubt it's going to make it in the the ten. It's no, yeah, it it, it was just it more about prospects, if anything. Yeah. Else. So, but I mean, who knows? I mean, it could have hit. In some places, like I wish Mike Feist and, and David Alvarez would have been looked at. I know it was a long shot, but same thing with Rachel. That would have been a best picture solidifying thing. I think so. I mean, if if, if Mike Feist got in, David Alvarez, Ariana DeBo, and Rachel Zegler all got in, especially if Rachel got in over everyone else, even Amelia Jones or Jennifer Hudson or Alana Hyam, and she got that fifth mm-hmm. spot, or even Kristen Stewart or Penelope Cruz or someone like that, then definitely it solidified itself as a top to contender but i don't think that's the case anymore i don't don't think so i mean it could do it i love to see do it but i don't i just don't think so as much as it hurts my heart um before we wrap up i do want to kind of do like an 
in memoriam for uh, all the movies that got zero nominations that go for um, it. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously, we're not very surprised when Mortal Kombat or uh, nah. <laughs> No Way Home doesn't get nominated for anything. But you know, there's movies that they were made um, with the maybe with the intention of getting nominated, or their distributor right. thought this has a good shot, and they genuinely put an effort toward it in. They're, they were in the conversation for one or many categories throughout the season and just, it amounted to nothing. Um, and I was just kind of thinking about these throughout. I don't have a, I, I didn't do a lot of thought into this. I might be missing some things, but here, here's the list I could think of off the top of my head of movies oh that got no nominations. We got the card counter kind of makes sense. Come on, come on. Eternals. Remember when that was supposed to be yeah. Marvel's big uh, Oscar push. It would have been their next Black Panther or something like that we were thinking it could be, but nope. No. no. Uh, French Dispatch, which you talked a lot about. The Green Knight, A24 really having a bad day, even though having they had some pretty good movies this year. Just couldn't couldn't get anything. Um, the Harder They Fall, Netflix must have had their hands a little too full. They couldn't even get it in for a, for a song with Jay-Z doing all the music. Um, again, A24 was The Humans. Um, people thought Richard Jenkins had a good shot. Did not happen. In the Heights. Yeah. Man, that sucks. I, that was, I don't know where it would have gotten in, but it was such a fun ride. It feels like it. Do you, do you should have done something else. Do you think the box office could have been a big factor for that one, you think? I mean, I, I know a lot of these other oh, films yeah. didn't do well box office-wise, but... Look, if that movie made $100 million, it'd be a different conversation, but it didn't. It made yeah. way less than that. I mean, what's that story... Technically, financially bombed too, and they, they yes, had seven nominations. People had seen that more recently. True, 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 true. Um, and I bet that actually ate a lot of the momentum, the little momentum in the Heights had going for it. Um, the Last Duel, which I love, Ridley Scott just had to push two movies and ultimately got one nomination for the two of them, and it was in hair and makeup. <sighs> hey, good old Ridley um, Scott. Impressive he though, math. he did two movies in his eighties. Yes, good for him. Uh, we had Mass uh, and Dowd. People really talking about that. Didn't let me turn into anything. Uh, passing, Ruth Nega didn't get in. Tessa Thompson wasn't able to get in. Rebecca Hall didn't get in for that screenplay. Um, Pig, we talked about. Nicolas Cage, heartbreaking. Neon had to put all their resources into just getting Kristen Stewart that nomination. Yep. It worked, though. It worked. Red Rocket. Not very surprising that Sean Baker was able to sneak in um, with Florida Project. So was kind of hoping maybe Simon Rex could show up. Well, they're going to happen. Respect. Yeah. We thought Jennifer Hudson was going to win for like two straight years. And I then know. it came out. And then at the end, it kind of came back. And then it really did it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Um, more recent one, The Tender Bar. Uh, ben Affleck. I, I don't think enough people saw it. Yeah, I mean um, the, the the film itself was was a delight, but Ben Ben was the best part about that whole movie. So like, I think the SAG has gotten a little bit of momentum, but look, the Oscars don't love Ben Affleck. It's the truth, sadly. Yeah, they don't. They really don't. Um, and then we have Titan, which we talked about. That was that was a long shot. That's a tough one, but Palm d'Or, I would be happy with that. And we have uh, Zola again, A twenty four, not doing anything right now 
Yeah, that was a great film, though. I really have to say, I, I was surprised. I loved it. it Look, Coleman Domingo should have been nominated. I'll yeah, say that. Was great. Yeah. Taylor Page was amazing, too. I mean, that whole cast was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome cast. I, I just Maybe it'll sweep up Indie Spirits. What's that? Maybe it'll sweep it Indie Spirits. Maybe. You, you never know. I mean, I think A24 should always be considered. In, they, I, I feel like they deserve to be in the, in the big, big boy awards category. They just never get there, but they deserve it because of the films they put out. I just... I don't know. I don't get it. I feel like uh, I don't, Moonlight was really the only one, right? Moonlight was their big one. I mean, every year it felt like they did at least have one movie that would uh, that would break through a little bit or get some nominations. Um, don't ask me to remember them right now. I'm not going to know. I know they had something last year. They had more than one something, I think. They had, oh, Minari last year was huge. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forget A24 did Minari. They, they do so many obscure things. I, I forget it. Minari is it's so mellow. It, yeah, they, they, they owed, this was an off year for them. Um, yeah. Sad about Green Knight. Really loved that one. Really thought that could have. Yeah, that was a really good film. Got some text at least. But, yeah, nominations. Um, Rest in peace. As always, it's a mixed bag. I wasn't as excited as I've been going into it at the end. I was pleasantly surprised with a lot of things. Um, I think that Kristen Stewart nomination really got me back into being interested in this thing. All right. So some last few things I want to ask you before we wrap it up here. So I want to ask you about the main telecast because along with the nominations, there's also some up in the air things about what's going to actually happen this year. We're going to have a host again after going about three years without one. There's been a lot of rumors, speculation. Could it be Tom Holland? Could it be the trio of only murders in the building with Selena Gomez, Martin Short, Steve Martin, along with a litany of others? Is there somebody or or a pair or a group that you want to see up there? Who do you think might actually be hosting this thing? Or, Or do you think it should just be Hostless, or do you think it should be a rotating group of people? How do you think it's going to play out this this year? Um, it's my my thoughts on this have evolved over time. Okay, and by over time, I mean like like the last month. Okay, I, I, th- I thought you were about to say the last twenty four hours. <laughs> it might have even been that. <laughs> I. You, you know, because when you told me that they said they're doing a host, my reaction was not nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I was not thrilled about it. Yeah. Because award hosts are just generally awful. Like, let's be real. And it's not always their fault, you know. Um, I think it is just one of those things where they tell them you need to appeal to the most people and when you appeal to the broadest audience you end up really appealing to no one mm-hmm. they tell and, and you don't want to be you know the annoying it's too woke it's cancel culture everyone's too afraid to say no because when they had ricky gervais he was also very lame <laughs> mm-hmm. like let's be honest i just think they just try they try a lot of things and it's just people going up trying little bits the little bits usually don't end up working and it ends up becoming a slog. Cause at the end of the day, you don't want someone who you want to just, you're sitting there like, okay, can you stop talking? I want to know who wins best editing. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm sitting there and you're not entertaining me enough where I'm like kind of forgetting about the little bit of tension I have about my picks, then you're not doing a good job. And I just can't imagine. I can't remember the last time a primetime award show really grabbed me with their, uh, with their host, whether it's uh, 
you know, like LL Cool J or um, whoever did the Emmys, like Tina Fey and Amy yeah. uh, Poehler when they did the Globes. Um, look, they they really they they try very hard, and I you know credit to them for putting the effort in. I just yeah, but all that being said. The ratings aren't going up. <laughs> nah, and they're not. I don't think they're gonna like people. Like they, they think they're gonna go up like tenfold. They're not. They're, it's it, they they'll, they'll be lucky if they go up this year. Yeah, but that's this is kind of the problem now. It's, yeah, the, the problem is you don't have a host, and that definitely is hurting ratings. That you can't advertise with a face. Yeah. That being said, you can't. There's no magic cure to this problem. There is no, you can't get Tom Holland and all of a sudden 20 million people are going to watch Tom Holland's movies dominated for one category. That's not going to win. And it's yeah. a boring tech category. Nobody cares. Yeah. Plus I think you know? that would be a better presenting option. Like to me, yeah, I no, have, had the three, of- have, have him, Andrew Garfield who will already be there and, Tom, and Toby Maguire come up and present. That's Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Get, have them present, um, you know, best sound or whatever. I like don't care. Visual effects, sound, like one of the technical or two of the technical categories. That that's it. That's perfect. That that'll be a trending moment in and of itself. And look, it's I so it clearly needs that. And when we look back, you know, it's, oh, if you nominate Spider Man for best picture, it would have ratings would have gone up. No. I don't think that's true because last year we were stuck inside with all the nominees on our all our they were on every single streaming service. You could watch pretty much everything. The ratings were historically low. And then a couple of years ago, what we had a uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, we had Black, Black Panther. Panther, we had Green Book, we had all these movies that were crowd pleasers that people loved, and the ratings weren't that great. No, Still, yeah, or they or they went up by like know. a little bit, like a little. But that's it. But it wasn't. Look, Black Panther was one of the biggest movies ever. I don't think if you add Infinity War to that lineup in addition to Black Panther, people are all of a sudden going to tune in. Um, Look, the reason why things worked before is Hollywood was making bold original movies that were make that were big blockbusters that people were excited about. I'm thinking about 2009 when that best that one of my favorite best picture lineups of my lifetime where you got up, you got Inglorious Bastards, you have District 9, and then you have Avatar, which is actually a strong contender. Sure, none of them won best picture, but those are big, bold, original movies that were huge box office hits. Yeah. And they were rewarded as such. And Hollywood, I just doesn't think, makes those kind of risks anymore. And because and we see that reflected. I mean, we look at the movies now, and sure, we can talk about COVID with box office and streaming is obviously a factor. But what Dune is the only real blockbuster, and even that, um, yeah, you know, it's still it, it has that award prestige. West Side Story was a flop, and that feels like one of the bigger box office hits of this list. That people yeah. didn't see Belfast. I haven't even seen Drive My Car. Um, King Richard did okay, but not really. Nightmare Alley completely bombed. And, yeah. You know, Disney released that next to Spider-Man. They didn't care about that. Nah. And they're shocked nobody cares about these movies. Um, no, the answer isn't just like throwing in a blockbuster. And the answer isn't just having a star of a blockbuster host it. So I think there just needs to be like long... Uh, there's going to be a long road to rebuilding those ratings. Um, and it's going to, it's going to come with the type of movie Hollywood is ma- are making. And we had this conversation too with Oscar. So white. 
the problem isn't just that you're not nominating these movies. The problem is these things aren't even existing in the first place to be nominated. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the big issue. I think that's absolutely hurting ratings. Yeah. And I think it's also the fact that long ago, like when, when the, when the awards were first happening, it, you didn't have social media like you have. And now you didn't have social media period where the only time you really saw any of these stars were on these red carpets were during these award shows. And then whenever you saw them on your television screens, when watching your, your movies or TV, you didn't see them as themselves like you do nowadays where you just go to their account or their story and you see what they're doing. The, the Academy Awards, the Emmys, the Grammys, those are the only time you ever saw those people in general on your television sets as they are. And, and I just think that that quality of award shows in general has diluted a, a, a tremendous amount. And I think that's a big part of it as well, along with the fact that that shows and movies and things that we're watching, they're not being as represented as they should be when awarding them. So I think it's all those factors rolled into one. And like you said, it's not going to be appealing to all demographics with three people or two people. And that's going to be it. No, it's going to be, it's going to be a slow process. It's going to be very, very painfully slow, but that's going to, and, and it's, they're not going to go away. The Oscars, the Emmys or any of these shows, they're going to stick around. Like they're too prestigious not to, and they're going to pick up all these rights still, no matter what. I will say, um, Due to only murders trio, and I, I mean, I'm yeah. just saying trio because it would feel weird to not include Selena Gomez at this point. But I think someone like Martin Short, Steve Martin, you know, that's two people. They are a draw still, and they're naturally talented. And it's just the kind kind of person at this point. If you're going to have a host, play it safe and build from there. Yeah. Don't swing and miss again. After yeah. all this time without a host, we finally get one back and you're going to, you know, oh, Tom Holland, who's never hosted anything. Let's see how he does. Or you're Pete just Davidson. Very, yeah, let's do Pete Davidson and Tom Holland or Tom Holland and uh, Zendaya. Zendaya. Like, no, I don't want to see another Jamie Franco and Hathaway fiasco where I see two people on stage awkwardly reading scripted lines and they clearly have no experience doing this. No do chemistry. Jackman. I know he does the Tonys now. Do someone like that. Someone who has experience who's going to... love gonna... you, do it again. Love, yeah, to, it would... love to see him do it again. They're not going to go for a swing and a miss. They're going to, at worst, at least tread lightly and get a 5 or 6 out of 10. And people will be like, you know what? The host didn't actively ruin that. Yeah, <laughs> That's all you need. And I don't yeah. think any of those people would ruin it. I think it's a little alarming that the award show was in a month and they got nominations out before the host. Yeah, that doesn't um, really happen. Usually, that's not a that's not a good sign. It makes yeah. me think that they're kind of throwing this together a little last minute. And hosting so. an award show takes time and effort. It is yeah. not an easy process. It takes a team of people to yeah. work really hard for it to maybe work. Yeah. So if but, you're not getting those gears moving early. It could be difficult. So, yeah, they better not be uh, shooting for the stars here. And they should probably go with someone yeah. reliable with experience. Because, I mean, again, in, in normal pre-pandemic times, the the host and it, that would all be done by the, before the end of the, the year, before you get to nominations, like you were saying. So, yeah, it's, it does seem like they are throwing this together, just trying to see what – throw anything at the wall and see what actually gets to stick – and on the Steve Martin and, and Martin Short and Selena Gomez, Steve Martin has experience hosting the Oscar, so he can help Martin Short and Selena Gomez in what to kind of expect with this a little bit and what works and what doesn't, and they can work on material from there. So 
I agree. I think that would be a great option. Again, easy, safe. That's what you need at this moment in time and make it about the awards and the movies and the people that are going to be honored at that particular moment in time. So again, we'll see what happens, but Jason, I want to thank you again for being here and, 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 and any last words that you have, the, the floor is yours. And one, and one other thing before you leave too, what do you think we're going to be talking about at the end of the night come Oscar night? I'll ask you this again, but right now, what do you think we'll be talking about? And any last things you have? We're going to have, there's going to be one of two things is going to happen. Okay. We're going to be say, wow, Netflix did it. Wow. Netflix just can't do it. (laughs) Those are the only two conversations I think we're going to be having. It's going to be one of those two. (laughs) All right. Okay. So once again, my friend, Thank you so much for coming on. It is always a pleasure and an honor to have you when we talk about Oscars. We'll, of course, have you on again. Hopefully, we can get you before maybe do a SAGS prediction or have you to recap the SAGS. And, of course, we'll have you for our whole Oscar coverage when they debut on March 27th, which is usually the last day of the Sunday before March. And just to look that up real quick. Yep, it is going to be March 27th. It's very late in the year, but very, very we'll, let it, we'll let it be. We can yeah. just sit with these nominations for a month and a half and just really overthink them forever. Exactly, exactly. But again, the 94th Annual Academy Awards will be airing on March 27th on ABC. Again, we'll have all coverage all that weekend. Give me wall to wall. What could win? What could not win? What could be some surprises? What could be some snubs in terms of winners and losers? We'll have all of that and so much more for you guys on the weekend beforehand and the weekend of. And of course, we'll try to have Jason back on during the month leading up and talking about some of the precursors that are happening as well. But Jason, where can people find you on social media to see what else you're doing? Because you don't just talk about movies and Oscars, but you do have some great music coverage as well. So where can people find you on that front, social media? Lay it, lay, lay it all down here so people can connect with um, you on other other platforms. You can, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Jason Abdow, and you can follow my blog, criticaldarling.com. Amazing. So once again, my friend, thank you so much for being on, and thank you for everybody to tuning in and listening on the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. You can find us anywhere. You can find me on Facebook at Bissell Samuel. That's S-B-U-S-L-L-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L on Twitter and also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. And also, you can find this episode, this podcast, this Oscar nomination recap on YouTube in video form as well. So if you don't want you don't want to hear our pretty voices, you want to see our beautiful faces as well, you can also find that on YouTube as well. So Jason, once again, thank you so much for being here. We always love having you on. We'll hope to have you on again soon. And to everyone that listened to us or watched us, have a wonderful rest of your day. And until next time, keep on screening. <laughs>